In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. What are you doing, guy, that is pulling you away from becoming God's best version? That thing that you're allowing into your mind needs to be eradicated. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Men in the Arena Podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10 or 15. Or whatever. <laughs> I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with Dale Culver, <laughs> our producer. How you doing today, man? Thing is, we are equipping. So we are equipping men in ten that. times two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good, man. This uh, this whole uh, five essentials every man must possess to change his world is an unbelievable series. This is so good for men. I'm super excited to be doing this. We're in part three. And it's really hard to do it in 10. So, guys, we've been going 17, 18. So just kind of hang along with us here and uh, give us a little grace. Not that we want it or need it, but um, we, it'll make you feel better if you give yeah. it to us. <laughs> we know that you guys love hearing our voice anyways. Oh, man. Hey, anyway, guys, again, uh, head on over to our website and check it out. Uh, sign up for this uh, bvom.com assessment. We're in the trial phases of this, so give us your input. We're going to launch this live August 1st. But... Uh, want to have you guys keep sending us your hero stories again man jesus is the famous one but you are the hero in your story and he wants you to lead your family well so shoot us an email see how god is using this ministry to help you guys out and to to help you to um shoot us an email let us know how this shoot us an email because we believe firmly that when a man gets it everyone wins so got you got a man law for me today yeah i just want to challenge the guys in this man law to when you wake up in the morning Grab your Bible and not your phone, because I think we get distracted. And, and even this, I'm speaking to myself, because I know the first thing I do when I get up, I'm like, okay, one-year Bible, and I'll go on my phone to go to the one-year Bible, and all of a sudden I see notifications, and then the next thing you know, I'm like, oh man, I need to read my Bible. So I need to challenge myself and make a man law for me to grab my Bible first and not the phone. So where are you right now in your one-year Bible on reading? track, baby. Sweet. Me yeah. too. We're good to go. Guys, also, uh, you reminded me of something. You can follow me on Instagram. I actually post a picture of my Bible study in the morning on the Men in the Arena Instagram account. And you can also check out my quotes of the day at Jim W. Ramos on Twitter. So want to head that way. So if you guys need somebody to keep you accountable in the reading... That's what we're doing. And if you're not a part of the Men Arena Forum on Facebook, 
you need to get there. That's a great group of guys that keep themselves accountable to each other. So, But I want to dive into the Mita podcast today, and this is uh, part three in our series, The Five Essentials Every Man Must Possess to Change His World. Again, guys, this is off of the book I just released called Strongmen, Dangerous Times. You can pick it up on Amazon. It is also going to be a book I'm writing this year. It'll be called something like Your Best Version of a Man, where I take the 20 qualifications of biblical eldership I combine them with these five essentials of manhood. So this week, the third essential that we're going to discover is really the apex of manhood. It's really the climax of masculinity. It is the summit of where a man can reach. It's the highest level he can reach. A man can never become his best version without this third level of manhood. Yes, you need to protect integrity. That is the trailhead. Yes, you need to fight apathy. That is the climb. You can do those without God in your life. But that apex of manhood is when a man realizes that he can never become his best version unless he radically commits his life to the creator of his soul. How can you ever become your best version if you aren't radically devoted to the creator of who you are, who made you, who knows you, who has a purpose for your life? So the summit of manhood, guys, is pursuing God passionately. No, the summit of manhood is not, I'm a, quote, Christian. No, the summit of manhood is not, I'm going to church. The summit of manhood is when you radically commit to pursuing Jesus Christ. That is it. So some of you guys are on this false summit. You're like, oh, I go to church or I'm a Christian. That's a false summit. Radical, take a bullet in your head for Jesus. Die on the hill of your faith. I hope I made that clear. Did I make that clear? I think so. So we have four subcategories that fall under this that really are the fruits, so to speak, of a man who's radically given his life to Jesus. Again, these come out of the pastoral epistles. We've we've merged four uh, of the qualifications of an elder, which should be the goal of every man, into each of our five essentials for manhood. So the first one is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, and Titus 1.8. You want to read it, Dale? Yeah. Now the overseer must be, and we're going to skip down to hospitable. Hospitable. Are you hospitable? And this is more than just bringing somebody into your home. This is bringing somebody into your circle at church. This is being a welcoming person who's open and willing to reach out to the people who may not be like him or, you know, that may not be like him, that may uh, sit in a different place than him, that may attend a different church than him. You know, this is the guy who, when he walks into a room, people feel like they can come to him. Are you that guy? Are you a closed spirited dude? This is what we're talking about. And yes, it involves your home. Is your home a place people, you know, we've got this Peloton at our house now. we got this weight room in our garage. People are over at our house. Every single day of the week, we have somebody at our house that is not a part of our family using our stuff. And we're just like, it's not our stuff. Come and use it. So first assessing statement is this. I come alive when I can bless someone with a gift or help them in a time of need. I love that day. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I know you're like this. You're really great at this. You come alive. I want you to ask me. I want to give you my stuff. I want to loan my stuff to you. Let me bless you. It blesses me to bless you. That's a hospitable heart. And that hospitality flows of the fruit of a man who's pursuing Jesus. Because our world says protect your stuff. Number two, I love to make people feel welcome. 
Now, last night at our Bible study, we had some guys talking about introvert, extrovert, all these things, right? You know, as we know, the introvert's problem is is they go deep with a couple people, but they really don't open themselves up to the world, where the extrovert's problem is they're a mile wide and an inch deep, right? So here, we're probably addressing the introvert more, saying, guy, listen, people need to feel welcome around you. Mm. Get out of your comfort zone. And, and open up your arms and bring people in. This is a major part of being a follower of Jesus, right? The introverts should be getting more open. The extroverts should be getting more should be getting deeper, mm-hmm. right? This is the beauty oh, of the gospel good. and what the gospel does in our lives. Yeah. So first thing is hospitable. Second thing, and I think we use the exact word, Dale, it's found in 1 Timothy 3.3 and Titus 1.7. Well, depending on which version, it could be not a lover of money, or your version might say generous. That's right. So generous or not a lover of money. In other words, here's here's the I love this question. I love it I love it Dale when guys come to me with this because this happens all the time they go, "Hey, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian." Statistics are showing that people more and more people are not going to church. So I just ask them a series of questions. Okay. You know, what are you doing to disciple your kids? Okay, what are you doing to serve God? Okay. And here's the first assessing statement. I give at least 10% of my income to causes, biblical causes, I care about. Are you giving 10% at least of your income to kingdom causes you care about? And guys, I get I get fried A guys, man. Because what happens is the first thing God does, one of the first things he does when you when you radically commit to him, he says, Hey, your time is now mine, your talents are mine, your resources are mine, your money is mine. Open up your hands, open up your wallet, and be willing to give, and give it first. Give it first as an offering to me. And I'm not saying give 10% first to your church. Uh, I'm not a Jewish guy, so I don't storehouse tithe. I give my money to the causes I care about. I love my church, and my church gets part of my money, but they don't get all of my money, right? I love other organizations. I love other missionaries. We support, I think, six different causes from India to Belize uh, to right here in America, so... Big time, big time. So number two is, I am known as a generous man. Are you known as a generous man? That's just a super simple question, guys. What kind of man are you known as? So that's generosity. So hospitable, generous, and then the number three is found in Titus 1.8. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good. So the word that we used here, guys, is the word good. <clears throat> we want to use the word good to describe you. Do people use the word good to describe you. Are you a man who loves what is good? In other words, the two assessing statements we have here, guys, that you can find at bvome.com are, I long for the things that please God. So we're talking about goodness based on Godness. Here's a word that we were challenged to use this week. Mm-hmm. Does your Godology, Godology. God- Godology produce goodness? So I, I counseled a couple premarital and they were not Christians. They still are not. And the bride said, talking about spiritual things, she said, well, I just think I try to be good, and I I treat people nice. And I said, that's beautiful, and you're a sweetheart, and I do see you doing that. But let me ask you this question. Who do you measure your goodness against? She goes, what? I go, well, you keep saying you're good. That very statement says that you have to measure goodness against a baseline, right? So... You can't say you're good if you have no baseline. So what's your baseline for being good? 
She's like, uh, other people. I go, yeah, but that's a horrible baseline because most people aren't good. How about if you take your baseline of goodness and judge it against God? How do you measure up? Uh, I go, yeah, I'll tell you, horribly. You're a horrible person compared to God. You don't measure up. That's why you need Jesus in your life. And it was just silence. She's like, I never thought of it that way. But guys, when we measure our goodness against ourselves or against somebody else who's like a loser, right, that's easy. But when we measure our goodness against God, we fall traumatically short. Mm-hmm. I mean, in order for us to uh, heavenize our lives, yeah. we need to have Jesus. And so without Jesus, we're going to fall horribly short. Romans 3.10 says, there's no one righteous, not even one. So here are the two assessing statements I have for you. I long for the things that please God. That's number one. Number two, I do not allow anything into my mind that would hinder me from becoming God's best version of me. Again, guys, what are you letting into your mind? Are you bitter towards somebody else? Are you unforgiving towards somebody else? Are you looking at pornography? Are you engaged in liberal media or conservative media or any kind of media that's going to pull you away from who Jesus Christ is? What are you, are you playing your life, spending your life on video games or on hunting, on fishing? What are you doing, guy, that is pulling you away from becoming God's best version. That thing that you're allowing into your mind needs to be eradicated, period. All right. We have hospitable, we have generous, we have goodness, and the last one is found in Titus 1.8. Titus 1.8, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled. Okay, so the word devout, some Bible translations call this word holy. Holy or devout, we went with the word devout, because devout speaks specifically towards you and your relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Holy, a lot of times, I love that word personally, I love that word, but we felt like it was too spiritually sounding. The question, guys, is this, are you devout in your faith in Jesus? Are you passionately pursuing him? Here are the two assessing statements. I strive to find victory in my life over sin. So the word holy, biblically, means to be set apart for God's purposes. So if I am devout, if I am holy, if I am a man who's devoted to Jesus Christ, I am going to work and battle and strive and fight until I have victory over sin. In fact, I'm going to say this, guys. Do you struggle with sin? Good. You should struggle with sin. It tells me you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you know why? Because before I bat, before I came to Jesus, I did not struggle against sin. <laughs> I celebrated sin. I remember as a 22-year-old guy in college, we would we had a po- stack of porn videos, like a stack of them. And then we we had just beers, you know, everywhere, right? You know. We would watch porn, we would watch Cheers, that TV show, and we would drink. That's what we would do. And we would celebrate that. That was like we would enjoy that. And when I came to Christ, I realized these things are wrong. And so I began a lifelong journey of battling the things I once celebrated. So the devout man battles what he once celebrated. He's ashamed of his sin, and he struggles to find victory because he wants to be devoted, to be devout, to live a holy life. Number two, my life looks different than those who do not follow Jesus. 
Should. <laughs> it should. <laughs> if you are a radical follower of Jesus, your life needs to look different. You should not blend in with the society. Guys, you should blend out mm. on purpose. A light dispels the darkness. If you do not dispel the darkness, guess what, guys? You are darkness. <laughs> so, guys, those are the four uh, words in the pastoral epistles that help us understand pursuing God passionately. Am I hospitable? Am I generous? Am I good? Am I devout? Dale, what's up, man? Drive us home. Yeah, man, we want you to head on over to our website at org and grab your free electronic version of Jim's book. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of the battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.